0: sensory people podcast i'm alicia
1: may i'm a high sensory leader coach and creative empath and i'm jane elizabeth aston i'm a high sensory coach empath and entrepreneur we're high sensory people and we're passionate about raising awareness of the hsp trait and reframing it from being highly sensitive to high sensory and having high sensory intelligence
0: did you know that 20 to 30 percent of the world's population are high sensory We want to increase our visibility, change how the world sees us, and inspire and empower all HSPs to own their amazing qualities and unique gifts. We would love you to join us on this journey.
1: We hope you enjoy this week's episode when we're going to be talking about how to manage our environment at home and at work as high sensory people. So Alicia... What should we start with? Should we start with managing our environment at home? Yeah, let's go for the home one. So what uh, what kind of home environments have you found work for you and don't work for you as a high sensory person? Um, yeah, sort of, it's taken
0: quite a few years to figure it out um, because people over the years would always say, you know, because I, I always had a thing about main roads and obviously, there's loads of houses on main roads. And I, I would say to friends, I was like, "Oh, does does the traffic not not bother you?" And they go, "Oh, yeah, no, you you get used to it." I and I thought, "Okay, this is, okay makes sense. You get used to noises." And then I realised, as the years went on, you, HSPs do not get used to noise. That you just do not. Um, I've actually spent the last um, probably the last ten years actually wearing earplugs. Um, which I didn't used to have to do as a child because where my room was situated sort of at the back of um the building, it was quieter. We weren't really near a main road. So I was able to sleep with without anything. But I've noticed that as I've gotten older, it's almost it's probably you know, quite understandably relating to maybe traumas and things where we're sort of and I'm naturally hypervigilant anyway is that, um, wearing earplugs has been more of a need the older I've got. Um, you know, when I've shared a bed with somebody, and this is something I'm, I'm starting to explore is, um, not sharing a bed with somebody maybe ever, um, you know, maybe for a couple of nights a week, but then otherwise it's like, no, I need my own bed. Maybe even my own bedroom, my own mattress, because, because I'm so sensory active, um, if they move, that just, I just wake up, you know, it's just the way I'm designed. Um, if they snore, I can't sleep through somebody snoring. And to be honest, I, if I hear them breathing, I just can't cope. Um, so I've had to wear earplugs if I've had partners um, and that's, that's really, really helped. Um, and, you know, I've got where I'm living at the moment, you know, that there's, there's a couple of things that that make a bit of noise. Um, I can't always turn them off And again, I need the earplugs. I've been here for three years. I'm still not used to the noise at night. In the daytime, you do get used to the noise. But there's something I find with me being HSP that nighttime noises I just can't cope with. Um, I remember years ago, dripping of a tap. I can't cope with the dripping of a tap. Um, I remember living with my parents and the door was open. So I liked to sleep with the door open when I was younger and have a little bit of light coming. I mean, I'm talking very young. I remember sort of hearing a tap in the kitchen because I was next door to the kitchen. I couldn't let it go. I just couldn't. And I had to put cloths underneath or whatever it was to stop that dripping tap. I can't cope with um, ticking clocks. And there's just something about the night time. It just makes you really wild and just, ah, you start to kind of lose your shit. But anyway, going back to the main roads is I just, I can't get, I will never, ever be able to get used to a main road. So I know for me, it's got to be as quiet as possible. Um, where I'm living at the, at the moment, it's great. It's its own little sort of, it's like an annex. And it's a, It's an own, it, there's nothing connected to it, apart from a couple of fences and gardens. It is an annex and it's wonderful. Um, and that really works for me. From an energetic perspective, it's really nice to have that sort of, physical and energetic alone time, separate time to just calm those senses and rest, And it's easier to, to restore. Um, but, you know, I've lived in, I have lived in flats with neighbours. I actually, I really struggled with that, um, especially when they made noises or movements in the night, or if I was having a quiet day, you know, if I'm having a quiet day, an unstructured day, which I find being HSP is essential for me. One day a week, minimum of where nothing's booked in, nothing is scheduled. I love those days. They're they're really really needed. So if I was having one of those days at home, you know, or a day off, you know, label it whatever you want. And I was like, great. I just need to go quiet. And then the neighbours are doing flipping DIY work, or they've got the freaking tea day time tv on and i'm just there pulling my hair out thinking oh my god you know this was me years and years ago um so i really really struggled with with living in flats um i lived in a um, detached sort of bungalow for a few years that was great that really worked for me because again um nobody was a me nobody was particularly next door to me um, I was spending most of it on my own um, my partner at the time he was a workaholic so didn't didn't see much of him um, and um, I loved it on my own And and I know it's becoming more common this HSP thing of sleeping on your own and it's funny how we sort of Associate. Oh, you don't sleep in the same bed as your partner. Oh, you must have a bad relationship, or oh, you must not love each other. And that's just conditioning. That's just stories. It's absolute BS. Um, because actually, the few HSPs or impasts that I know that do sleep separately. And what I've read in articles is they end up thriving with it because yes, they still have cuddles and you know time in bed together, but they don't sleep seven days a week in the same bed, and they find that their relationship is better. And it really is about working, working it for you, isn't it? It's what works for you. So um, anyway, I've rambled because I know I wanted to mention about gardens and things, but um, over to you, Jane.
1: Oh, it was wonderful. And yeah, I really loved, you know, you you spoke quite a lot about sleep and and sleep hygiene. And I know from, you know, we've talked quite a lot about how sleep can be really tricky for you and for me. And I believe other HSPs also can struggle with sleep because, well, we're processing so much information that we need quite a lot of time to wind down at the end of a day to get us into that calm rested, restful state in order to be able to switch off and go to sleep and to stay asleep. Um, so yeah, you talked about earplugs and 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 I've found I actually find them really uncomfortable. I've oh, experimented with some and I've got some that work well enough. And I always take them if I go um away anywhere, if I'm staying in a hotel or I'm staying with some with a friend or you know, I, I go on holiday. Always take earplugs with me because I don't know how quiet it's going to be in the place I'm staying. And I've learned, you know, to my detriment that if I don't have earplugs, there's probably going to be a really noisy person next door and I will be lying in bed at three in the morning, just cursing them. Um, So it's best if I, you know, have earplugs or if I go camping, you know, which I don't do very often anymore, but. When I do earplugs. Um, I've also got some noise cancelling earplugs that I wear when I'm on public transport, Mm -hmm. Uh, buses, trains, even in the street. Sometimes um, it can just be it can make all the difference. And I know we're talking about, you know, home environments and work environments, but just wandering around, or, you know, if I've got a long train journey in the past, it's been completely ruined by like a bunch of really unreal and really noisy people sitting near me. Um, And sometimes I move and sometimes I can't because it's a busy train. So noise cancelling earplugs, because I don't always want to listen to music. Sometimes I just want Silence, yeah. I'm desperate to get the
0: um, noise cancelling headphones. I hear they're really good, um, so I'd really like to treat myself to those.
1: Yes, yes, and I, you know, I, I'm sure they will be really amazing. I've got some noise cancelling, um, you know, ear what do you call them? The Apple ones, yeah, those little AirPods, and they are great. But actually the noise cancelling works with some special microphone thing. I don't know. And sometimes it can actually pick up external sounds and deliver it into your ears. So they are really great and I love them. But when I just want silence... They don't quite hit the spot for me. So you know, I've experimented. Um, ticking clocks—I can't bear those at night. I can't actually bear them in the day. I can't have them yeah, if insane. I'm staying. If I'm staying again, if I'm staying somewhere else, I have they to get the battery out at night. <laughs> the same with um, humming clock radio. I had a partner who had a, a, a clock radio, and he couldn't hear that it was humming at night. Very low pitched harm mm-hmm. he was not aware of it at all and i said i'm sorry you're going to have to unplug that because i am not going to get a <laughs> wink of sleep with that so you know i'm i'm pretty um i'm pretty tricky uh which is why I do, I do do quite well living on my own living in shared houses has always been really hard for me sure. just the chaos and the noise and the uncertainty of like have they done their washing up you know, I can't. I can't bear that. So I get on quite well living in an ordered household, and yeah. living on my own um, is is probably easiest in in all sorts of reasons. But yeah, what were you going to say? Um, oh gosh, uh, I can't remember now. I'll uh-huh. ca- I carry on yeah, then? You carry on. You carry all on. right, I'll carry on. <laughs> so um, yes, what were you talking about? Neighbors. So this morning, um, this morning I was just about to do my meditation and literally sat down got all ready and then one of the neighbors had got their uh, like some gardener person coming around and he was start he was trimming noise and I and it just reminded me how disruptive those sorts of you know noises can be and we can't do anything about the occasional you know noisy sort of you know bit of but bit of gardening so I I opted to just do something else and do my meditation when they'd finished and that worked really well but yeah it's really important I think for me to have a a home environment where I have at least some control over noiseless Levels, lighting levels, um, sound, yeah, uh, and 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 that it can be quite clean and ordered mm. and tidy. Um, yeah. All that stuff's really important and access to outside space. Mm. I've lived in, you know, I live in Brighton. There's a lot of flats, a lot of them don't have gardens, and I've lived in my fair share of those. But for the last 20 years, I've been lucky enough to always have a little bit of outside space where I can have plants and I can sit outside and just, yeah, not being cooped up inside. I think we, we spoke. Perhaps uh, an episode or two ago About needing to have windows open at home And letting oh, yeah. the chi flow And it's the same It's the same I like to be able to get outside Or to live somewhere near some nature Even if it's just a little park mm. I don't live anywhere near a park at the moment and I'll be moving in a couple of months time. So I'll be much nearer a really beautiful little park. And I'm really looking forward to just being able to walk five minutes down the road and go and sit in that park most days. So all of those sorts of things are really important, I think. Mm.
0: Loved, loved so, so much of what you said. Again, we could probably talk about this for hours, but just really, really quickly. Um, you were mentioning, I do remember what I was going to say, is, um, I can hear a, a TV on standby. Um, oh, yes. I have to turn the, yes. yeah, things on standbys I can't, I can't cope with. I've got to turn them off. Um, you said about a streamer. I have an empath friend that has a real, um, um, sensory challenge with construction work and I have to agree especially early in the morning you know I need you know the first couple of hours to be as calm as nature you know just just calm and and natural as possible Um, and you were saying about um, greenery spaces I have to agree I'm seven minutes from the beach Um, I've never lived in a city. I love cities for my high sensation seeking, but they absolutely exhaust me. They energize me at the time, but I can feel the depletion afterwards. So it's either got to be near a beach or rural for me, like you're saying, um, very much tidy. Everything has its place. Um, and I like things. I'm not really OCD, um but i i have suffered with slight ocd um where it's kind of like you know it has to be put in a specific place because it just has to be um and and things like that and there is that sort of perfectionism you know recovering perfectionist um and i just like to know where things are but i like to change things around as well to give them a refresh Mm -hmm. to change that energy in, in that room but um definitely tidy and organized and the outdoor space is massive um And yeah, where I am, I can open my door and it goes straight into a garden. And and for me, it's that sense of being and just sitting on the step and just having that cup of tea or cup of coffee or your lunch or your breakfast or just sitting there and just having that sensory break for just 10 minutes in the day, you know, because we're both self-employed, aren't we? And so we have to create those breaks for ourselves, because quite often when you're working in an office, and maybe this is a good segue to to go into the work um, topic, is that when you're in an office, quite often there's structure, isn't there? Where it's like, you know, you you organise your tea break, um, you have your lunch break, you know, you know those breaks are coming. But when you're self-employed, you have to create those breaks for yourself because it's so easy with the way our sort of supercomputer brains work is that we could easily, when we're in the flow, work for sort of six hours straight. Sometimes that's great, but sometimes that's not good for us. So it just depends what we're doing at the time. I know with computer work, I've got to take those sensory breaks. It's just too much. Um, but if I'm doing more of a creative or practical piece of work that's away from the screen, you know, I can keep going for a lot longer. Um, so those, those breaks are essential. So, um, over to you, Jane, for the, for the work environments because yes. you've got an amazing example that I want people to, to hear about.
1: Well, yes, it, it was, it was difficult at the time, but I think it, Gave me a really good illustrative example about of, of the kind of work environment that suits me and doesn't, and um, you know I, I learned the hard way I think. So I was I was lucky enough um, for many much of my twenties and into my thirties. I, I got to work. I worked in a university environment. So I didn't actually work for a university, but I worked um, for like a not-for-profit company that was based on a university campus and because of this we all got our own little offices so i spent you know more than a decade in in this environment where i either had my own office or i shared it with one or very occasionally two other people and um, you know it had a door we could close the door it had uh, w- windows we could open the windows out of the window We had the view of a beautiful field and trees in the background. And in the summer, I mean, it was sometimes I used to think I had this charmed life. I mean, you know, this was in the 1990s, early 2000s. So I suppose it's 20 years ago. But it felt like I was in like the 1970s or something. I had this really beautifully old fashioned workplace. I looked out of the window. I saw fields. And in the summer, little bunny rabbits would literally be hopping around. A couple of years, they rented out the field. The university rented out the field to a farmer. There were sheep and lambs jumping about outside my work window. And birds came and I used to put out like a bird feeder and I had woodpeckers and blue tits and sparrows. And oh, they used to just come and like hang out outside my window. And I would watch them while I was working. And all of this made for a really pleasant work environment. I could control the light, the air, the temperature. I could shut the door. I could have quiet time. I only was in the space of one or two other people. And um, and I was able to build in those breaks, the screen breaks, all of those things. And what that meant was that I was able to work in that job. Even though it was not a perfect job for me as a high sensory person, it was quite a good line of work for me. Um, And so I was able to sustain working there and and do quite well there for more than a decade. And then after that, the university kicked my organisation off off campus. There was no, you know... (laughs) didn't exactly kick us off. They they needed the space and we had to find somewhere else to go. And we ended up moving, I didn't get a say in where we went, and we ended up moving to um an office in the center of the city that I live in, Brighton in the UK. And uh and it was an open plan office with very little natural light. Um and At this point, I did not know I was HSP. I was close to finding out, but I didn't know. And so had I known, I probably would have chosen to sit in the corner, Mm -hmm. near a window in the corner, but I didn't. And I was just like, oh, I'll sit with, you know, my friends. Um, And I... I found it an absolute nightmare working there. It was awful. I felt completely frazzled within about a week. I actually had to take a big chunk of time off sick because I just got overwhelmed and exhausted. There was no break to be had in my work environment. And as soon as I left the building, I was in the centre of a really vibrant, busy Mm -hmm. part of the city. It's a lovely part of the city and I really like it, but I hated having to be there for you know 35 hours a week it absolutely killed me and um and i left within a year i couldn't stick it i couldn't stick it and then i went self-employed and so now i can manage my work environment as i choose and and self-employment has worked really well for me and i know it does for you and i know it does for a lot of us because Mm. then we can really manage our energy and our environment so that we can make the most of our high sensory gifts, because that's what all of this is about. Rather than going, I've got so many challenges because I'm right. high sensory. It really is all about, I've got so many gifts and abilities, but oh, I need user-wise. to make sure I'm in a good enough place for them to be able yeah. to move through me and out of me and into the world. Mm,
0: exactly. Loved it. Absolutely amazing. You said so many um, so many things and it's, it's brought back memories that I've had that, you know, I I tried nine to five. Um, I did it full time and I knew within weeks, I was like, I can't do this. I'm not wired this way, you know, because of the high sensation seeking, because of the free spiritedness, because I like to be in movement for so many reasons. I just knew this sort of rigid nine to five, five days a week just wasn't my makeup. And it's totally OK for other people. But for some of us, it's just not suitable. I was always happier. You know, I did do a job actually that was in, in my local town in, in the in the centre. I did it, I think it was two or three days a week. And then we would do summer events, which I loved because we'd be on the beach. I'd be supervising the youngsters while they were sort of teenagers, um, you know, sort of 18 year olds. Um, and I'd be supervising them. And I was out and about and I'm meeting people. And, and that was lovely to have that sort of balance um, and, and working part time really, really, really worked for me, or sort of two jobs that are both part-time, but they're different, um, really, really makes such a difference. Um, It's funny that when I was there, I just remembered that I just automatically knew I really struggled in the winter. I was only there for about 18 months because of my high sensation seeking, you know, I was always like right onto the next thing, onto the next challenge. Um but I remember the summer months were great and I didn't even know my needs back then. I had no clue of my needs. Um but I just intuitively knew right it's my lunch break, I need to go off, I've got an hour, it's too, It's not enough to go home, but I'll find the local park. And I would sit in the local park and have my lunch. And the days that it was either too cold or too rainy to do that really affected me because I then was in, I was in the back room, went back into the office and I was just really tired because I'd not had that time in nature and that real proper sort of sensory alone time and and break. And then I had another job when I worked in Bath. It was one of my favourite jobs, actually. Again, it was part-time, did a stint full-time, but it was part-time while I was at uni. And, um... It was the Holborn Museum, actually, which is in a park. So it was fantastic. So I'd get on the train, I'd walk to work, which was good, and I'd take the quiet roads. Um, And then I was in a park, so every window you looked out of had trees, had grass, had the sky. So that really helped. That I sort of, even though I was in a building, it was such a small annex building. So I still felt like I was in nature. If I went to the main building, I had to go through the grounds to the main building. So that was, you know, so I was getting these sensory breaks, even though I didn't know I was but those they re- looking back they really helped me and again back then I didn't know what my needs were but having these breaks really really made a difference um and there is scientific evidence now that if even with non-HSPs if you're in an office um where you're looking out of a window or you can take that break to look out of a window during your office hours It makes such a difference in the chemical um, in in the brain with the chemicals. You know, it helps release um, serotonin, dopamine. You know, all those nice chemicals that we want, and it does other things. You know, again, I'm not a scientist, so please have a Google. Um, But there's plenty of evidence that shows having those sort of visuals with nature, even if you don't go out in it, makes such a difference to your performance. Um, You know, when I think back of my school days. Uh, you said about a corner of an office and I thought that's really interesting when I was in school I really liked the corner of the room even if it was at the front yeah. there was just something about the corners because it just meant I was sort of I could see everything happening um and I just felt a bit safe um and because and I had a wall to my sort of left or my right or or to the back it felt that there was sensory things behind there that I didn't have to worry about, or I didn't have to take in. It was all the sensory stuff was in front of me, um, if that makes any sense. And I, I think, you know, for me, with you saying about in an open office, is that when you've got things behind you that are sensory stimulating, but you don't know what they are, that's exhausting for us. You know, it's, it's bad enough when it's in front of us, but it's also if it's behind, but it's, it's everything, whether it's noises, whether it's people walking past, lighting. Lighting is a huge one for me. You know, even if you've got to go to the doctors or the hospital, it's that awful bright light that's just really too much, you know. Um, and just very quickly with the light, you know, I I wear sunglasses most of the year. <laughs> you know, even if it's bright cloud, it's just too bright for my eyes. Um, they're just just you know don't like the word but they are just that little bit sensitive for for that
1: so um, yeah 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 lighting's really important isn't it I think the strip lighting that you were talking about I I we we had that even in the university building we had strip lighting and I actually um took my own like uplighter lamp in in the end um I don't think I was really supposed to do that. There was some sort of health and safety reason why I couldn't. But anyway, I, I got it under the radar and, and I used that. And I never used to turn my strip lighting on. And people used to walk past and go, it's really nice in here, isn't it? It's really nice in your office. And I'd be like, yeah, I know it's because I've got the it strip is. light. So, you know, everybody appreciated it. It's just that it was vital for me and it wasn't so vital for them. And going, you know, when we went to the open plan office, like I couldn't have my own light. I just right. had to have the strip lighting and it was awful. And it was like working in the middle of a goldfish bowl. Everybody was walking yes. around. There was no privacy. I couldn't make any, you know, phone calls, work phone calls. No, I didn't particularly want to make personal phone calls. I wanted to make work phone calls. But I, I just felt as though I was being observed. And, you know, yes. one of the things that HSPs can find quite difficult is, um, you know, performing, doing work when observed. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, and I can I can absolutely do that, you know, when it's part of my job. But when it's really not necessary for my right. job to be observed, I, I'd I'd rather have, you know, I'd rather do it yeah. unobserved, <laughs> be completely free and be alone. So so that didn't work. And then I think you know another thing about a work environments that I would like to just touch on is the way that um, people are valued in many organisations, and it's often about who shouts the loudest yeah. rather than. Who says the things that are the most useful, insightful? And, you know, I often do better when I've had a little bit of time to process and think about things. And then I will, on reflection, come up with some useful insights. Whereas in the work meeting, when I was put on the spot, Mm -hmm. I would go a bit blank. Not Uh always, but sometimes, and probably more often than non-HSPs. And so it took me a while to get the recognition that I probably deserved. And actually, I'm not sure I ever really got it when I was employed, as a self-employed person, I absolutely have because I thrive when I'm working under my own steam and to my own tune. Um, you know, and we are, I think, generally as as um, high sensory people, we're also highly efficient at managing our own time. We're conscientious. We deliver to deadlines. We do what we say we're going to do and we do it to a really high standard is my, you know, observation of, of of how I and other high sensory people work. You know, we're, we're able to focus on detail as well as stand back and see the big picture. And that makes us not just good at delivering work, but good at managing ourselves and, and you know, managing, supporting, guiding and leading others.
0: Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to finish off an ad with, you know, you saying about being put on the spot that sometimes, again, depending on what the situation is, we can deliver on the spot, you know, intuitively, if, we're, if, if the situation welcomes it and, presents it and needs it we can be very on the ball there and then but quite often because of the depth of processing you know if we've got you know sometimes we're better off going away and that's when we're able to sort of analyze the situation the questions the information the pros the cons and then we can go back in and explain this 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 and this and it really just make a difference and the other thing I really wanted to add is, is really important is that it you know there's i don't know where it is but i know there is some kind of proof out there that say say a non hsp works 30 to 40 hours a week mm. um a hsp can do the same amount of work in half the time yes. so we're better off working 20 to 30 hours i mean personally i think humanity as a whole whether you're hsp or not shouldn't work more than four days a week period like I don't care who you are I don't care where you come from you know four days to max out work and then you need three days to you know whether it's housework be do your hobbies have some chill to, like whatever it is but four just to days do nothing to right just, yeah, like, just, just nothing be. just be just yeah, yeah. Just exist. um I love those days I but what? yeah, it's, um for me I, I thrive working You know, between 20 to 30 hours, any more than that, you'll just get a really, the word diluted version of me comes to mind. And I think that's across the board with HSPs, there is this diluted version of ourselves that if you ask too much of us, Yes, we can. Um, you know, if you're in a trauma situation or a stressful situation, like, wow, our coping mechanisms are profound. Yes. The sacrifice and the damage that's done needs to be repaired. Um, so we max out on on part time, don't we?
1: Absolutely. And I I'd just really like to pick up on something you said about how we can come up with really amazing insights, responses um, on the spot, using our intuition, tapping into our, you know, intuitive knowing, using our high sensory gifts in that way. But for me, certainly, and I think, you know, many of us, to be able to do that, I have to be in a good environment. Mm. I have yeah. to have my battery Mm. sufficiently charged, you know, in that sort of 20 to 80%, 80 to 90% range that we were talking about last time. Um, So that's why it's really important for me to, you know, manage my home environment so that I, and, and the way that I work and the hours that I work and the intensity that I work at and the breaks that I have and the way that I restore myself so that when I do need to perform on the spot, I can do it. I can do it and not bring that diluted, dull, kind of dumbed down version of myself, because I don't think that's who I or you or any of us are really supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. No, I
0: couldn't agree more. I'm just making more notes and yeah. But no, we've got to wrap this up for today. We uh, so I think we've we've covered a lot. Um again, you know, if anybody has any questions around this topic, you know, get get in touch. But um hopefully what we've shared
1: today has been um has been fruitful. Yes. thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or
0: comments. And please do subscribe, like, and review our podcast.
1: Join us for next week's episode when we'll be talking about why, as high sensory people, we have naturally high standards, but may need to be aware of perfectionism. Bye for now. Bye for now.